Luke 2, 41 through 52. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with the God and man. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you reading that. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, that's an odd text to start. A Christmas or an Advent series, and the end of when Jesus is 12 years old. Well, we'll get there. All right, we'll get there. So a theme, we do a theme each year for our sermon series for Advent. theme this year is the Messiah's family tree. We're going to be looking at uh, different, different parts of the, the family tree of our Messiah and, and what role they played and, and what we can learn from that. Okay, so that's where we're going. You know, as humans, we, we seem to like emotional roller coasters. They say, no, no, we don't like that. Well, let's think about this. Uh, what about the ups and downs of sports, right? I mean, why do we put ourselves through this, right? You know, we're watching the game. And it's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, we do this. And then it's really bad when you're a Lions fan, okay? All right. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just the way it goes. I mean, pretty much it's like, you know, no, no. People, oh, you're ahead by three touchdowns. There's two minutes left. I'm like, don't worry. Don't worry. We will find a way to give this up. You know, and we do every time, right? But, you know, maybe sports isn't your thing, but, you know, what about the adventure of a good book or movie? I mean, we put ourselves through that, that story of the ups and downs and the twists and turns. And we seem to like this, and we just we, we go back to this, we repeat the process over and over again. I mean, even even movies that we know about, okay, so you know, right now there's a lot of a lot of you know Christmas movies out there. And if you have the Hallmark channel, you know, you can watch plenty of Christmas movies on the Hallmark channel right now, I'm sure. And um, you know, there's a there's a common theme in these movies, right? You just kind of just figure it out, right? But yet, you still like to watch it. Why do we like that? Because we like the story. We like the ups and downs. We like all these things. Now, it, it seems to be that um, we can identify when things don't go well, but then we know that there's a positive end or we're hoping for a positive end. That's what we're hoping for when we follow sports and our team is down and we're hoping for a comeback or in the movie we know it's going to resolve at the end. And so we're willing to put up with the process because we know or we at least have a hope of what may happen at the end. 
Now, this text here is interesting. I had Jason read, picking up in verse 41. We're actually going to go back. And so if you, if you haven't opened your Bible to Luke chapter 2, let me encourage you to do so. It's page 857 is where I'm going to start um, if you're using one of the Bibles provided for you there in the seats. Page 857, Luke chapter 2. Well, I'm going to start in, in verse 8 here. This is going to be the front end. Well, I had Jason kind of give us the back end of, of where we're going to be at here. This is the front end here. So in verse 8, uh, um, we see here it's, it's talking about the shepherds, okay? I'm not going to read all of this here, um, but I just want you to look, look down in, in verse 8 there, okay? And so you see that there's a, there's a shepherds out there. They're keeping their watch over the flock by night. Then the angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory shines about them. And then in verse 10, we see that, that the angel says, fear not, I bring you good news, right? Okay. And uh, this, is, this is that famous angelic declaration and message, right? And then there's a sign in verse 12 that he talks about that the baby will be wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And then as soon as he says this, there's like the whole heavens burst out into this, this praise and glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. So what happens is, is the shepherds then, we're going to read about this or you can see this in verses 15 and following, then the shepherds, what they do is then they rush to the place where that they're told that this was happening and they find Mary. So verse 16, and they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. Okay, And all who heard it wondered about what the shepherds had told them. So the shepherds are the ones that are then bringing this message and they're the ones that are, 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 are telling Mary and Joseph. Now look at verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. In, in biblical interpretation, there's this thing called inclusios, okay? Basically, we could think of it as bookends, okay? So it, it's a literary device where something is on one end and there's the same thing on the other end, and it's showing that in between that is a very important message. And here we have one of these. Jason showed us the, 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 the latter one, and now I just read the first one. It's this idea of Mary treasuring things in her heart, did you see that in verse 19? You see in verse 51. We have the bookends there. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a minute. We're going to see why are they here? What does this mean? And, and, and what is the, the middle part of it? Why is that so important here? This is Mary treasuring and pondering these things. This idea of treasuring and pondering is the idea of deep reflection, keeping in mind, mulling over, seeking to understand. This is what Mary was going through here. And we're going to see that Joseph was as well. Is that this idea of just pondering and thinking and mulling over and, and, and just not quite understanding, but wanting to understand. And so what that Luke does here in chapter 2 is he quickly records several events, and he actually truncates them in, in several different events. So we're going to look briefly at each one of them. And he, what he does, he records these events so that he reveals that Jesus' parents, their intellectual, but also their emotional journey during when Jesus was first born. And so what I hope to do today is I hope that for us looking at Mary and Joseph's responses, that we can gain insight on what to expect from our own journey in our relationship with the Christ child. And so if I was going to summarize in a sentence, here's what I would summarize that we can look through, is that following Jesus is a beautiful but puzzling journey. <laughs> following Jesus is a beautiful but puzzling 
journey. And so we're going to look at all these events in Luke 2 with, in the middle of what's sandwiched by this, you know, Mary treasuring and pondering things in her heart. And we'll hopefully we'll, we'll gain some insight here. But let me pause and pray and ask God's blessing. Father, I, I want to pause now and ask for your divine help as we look at this text of Scripture. God, I, I pray that uh, as we look at these two puzzled parents here in the family tree of the Messiah, Lord, I pray that it would be helpful to us. But God, I, I, I need your, your guidance. I need your enablement um, as I teach from your word here today. I mean, this is your Bible. This is your word. And I, I simply want to just communicate what you have for us here and, and what, what this text means. And so, but I need your Spirit's guidance for that. And, and we need your Spirit to enable us as we listen and, and keep our minds free from distraction. There's a lot of things that uh, are calling for our attention right now. And Lord, I pray that we'd be able to put those things aside for just a few minutes here and, and that we would, we would benefit from time together in your word. We've, we've sung some great songs. We've enjoyed being together uh, so far today. And I pray that as we spend these next few minutes together in your word, that it's profitable. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. So following Jesus is a beautiful but puzzling journey. Let me go through this journey. It starts here, as I told you about the shepherd's visit, Mary's treasuring all these things. But here's, then in verse 22 of Luke 2, we see that then uh, at the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses. So they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, okay? So there was the, the law code that they were supposed to follow that when it kind of came time for purification, again, there's actually two events that are happening here, and Luke is kind of pushing them together here, but there's the purification, right? But then there's also the presentation of the child, and so they're bringing it, they're, they're, he's bringing Jesus, Mary and Joseph, or bringing Jesus to Jerusalem for this. And then we see something that's really neat that happens here is that when they get there, it says that they offer the, their offering. Now, in verse 25, look at verse 25. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon or Simeon, however you want to pronounce it. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, we don't know really anything about this guy, okay? I just want to say that from the point is we, what we have, what we know about him is right here. But apparently there was this guy and he was older and that he, the Holy Spirit was upon him and had given him a message. And we're going to read about that in a second. But here we have this guy. He's just waiting for the Lord. And so when Jesus is brought as a baby, he's brought into the temple. He's brought into Jerusalem. Here is Simon or Simeon here. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. We don't know when that happened. We don't know how that happened, but we just know that the Scriptures say that that happened here. He came in the Spirit, so the Spirit's leading him into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, and you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation of the Gentiles and a glory for your people of Israel. Now I want you to look at verse 33. And his father and mother, Jesus' father and mother, earthly father and mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled at what was said about him. First of all, 
Jesus' salvation will amaze you. You see, as we're looking at how we should respond, we look at what's going on here, the ups and downs, the following Jesus that is a beautiful but yet puzzling journey, the first step here is that God's salvation has to amaze us. And this is, what, this is what was going on. Simeon here is so grateful that God had given him that promise that he would see the Messiah. And then he gives this blessing. He prays for this child. And what is Mary and Joseph's response? They are just absolutely amazed. Why are they amazed, you would say? Well, well you know, they, they were told, remember they were told by Gabriel, they were by Abriel, uh, Gabriel. Why, why is it that they're so amazed in this section? I'll tell you why. Because the salvation extended beyond Israel, and they had no concept of that. Did you see that? He says that he'd be a light for the revelation of the Gentiles. They had no idea about that. They, they, they should have maybe to some degree, but I mean, you've got to understand of what they were and where they were at in life. It, it, this was just an amazing concept to them. And so when they're, rece- they're receiving the blessing of Simon here, or Simeon here, they're, re- they're hearing this. And, and, and keep in mind that Simeon, is, he's just praying this prayer of blessing here. And he talks about the salvation of the Lord that is going to be brought through this child. It just simply took Mary and Joseph's breath away. It was amazing to them because the salvation that Jesus brought was more complete and more far-reaching than they initially thought. Jesus was going to change things in so many ways. So let me just, let me just pause and, and make a slight application here. Is that when we are amazed by God's salvation, we understand that it's going to change much more than we initially think that it will change. When we stop and we look at what Christ's salvation does for us, the thing that we need to do is we need to understand that it is more far-reaching in our own hearts and souls than we initially would think. There's a reason why that Jesus is Lord. He is King. So He's changing us. And that during this Advent season, when we're, we're trying to, to think through of what was happening during that, that very first time when Jesus is born here, Mary and Joseph are coming here, this is the journey that they're on. They're following the, the Messiah, and, and this is part of his family tree, his, his earthly parents. They were just utterly amazed at how far-reaching salvation has gone. Now, that could be internally for us. That could be to other people whom we love. Many of you are praying for people to follow Christ. I'm praying with you. I'm praying for people in my own family. I'm praying for people that I know some of you as I look out. And and right now I can see some people I know that you are praying earnestly for a loved one to follow Christ. And let me just say that God's salvation is far-reaching. And even when we want to give up and we want to think that, no, people are outside that reach. Let me just say that this is what amazed Mary and Joseph. This is one of the things that Mary's pondering in her heart. She's thinking through, and most scholars think that these references to Mary pondering things in her heart was the source material for Luke to write his book. She's thinking, she's trying to understand these things. She's treasuring up these things in her heart. And one of the things that is amazing her, amazed her and Joseph was how far-reaching God's salvation is. So please, don't give up praying. Don't give up talking to people about Christ. Don't give up sharing the gospel to people. Don't give up turning every corner of your own life over to the kingly rule of Jesus Christ. God's salvation should amaze us. 
And this is one of the first response. So we're on this puzzling, this beautiful but puzzling journey with Mary and Joseph here. And the first stop here is that they are just absolutely amazed. Okay, I need to move on the time. We could spend so much more time talking about this, about Simeon's prophecy, Anna's prophecy. Uh, but we will, we will move on. So then we come to this section that Jason read for us here. Okay. Now, as this is, we're, we're fast forwarding. Uh, a little bit in history here. So Jesus' parents, they go to Jerusalem every year. We see some verse 41 that was read to us already. And, uh, and then he's 12 years old. And so he goes up there. And then the, the feast was ended, the returning. And, and it's kind of comical in some ways here. It's kind of it's comical in the sense that um, uh, they didn't know that Jesus wasn't with them. And, and some people you may think, well, how in the world is that possible they didn't know? Well, it's actually pretty simple. And, and I've known some people to forget their kids, you know, at church or something like that, okay? You know, so, you know, whatever. I've, I've seen it happen, okay? But, uh, um, you know... <laughs> Um, it wasn't me, but so, um, in case you're wondering, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it has happened here. Most likely what happened here is because they, they traveled in caravans. They traveled as great family groups, right? Multiple families, cousins, aunts, uncles, and things like this for safety, right? So they're coming into Jerusalem. They're coming in as a big family, and then they're getting ready to leave. And so you know how it is. They, they all start going. This is like, you know, if you've seen the movie Home Alone, you know, they're counting ahead heads and everything. They probably counted one head thinking it was Jesus's head and it was someone else's, you know, and, and Jesus isn't there, right? And so they travel a day. And so they go, they're walking. Mary and Joseph, they're assuming Jesus is with the cousins and having a great time and everything's a big family. And so they settle down for dinner, settle down for the night, right? And then so they're, okay, where's Jesus? I don't know. Where's and I, I don't want to read into the text here or whatever. Just let your imagination go what the conversation looked like between Mary and Joseph at this moment. Okay? You had him. No, you had him. How can we lose the Messiah? You know, these type of things. It's kind of comical here. It's like, I'm not going down in history as in forgetting the Messiah or losing the Messiah. Yeah, I don't know what the conversation actually was like, but you can imagine that there was probably some tense moments there, right? So, that's a day journey, then a day back, they, t- they travel back, so that's day number two. The text says it was after three days, so then they spend a day in Jerusalem looking for him. So there's your three days, okay? And so they finally find Jesus. Where do they find him? They find him in the temple, and he's teaching, he's answering questions, he's asking questions and answering things, and it's just amazing to everyone that was there. So as you follow this journey of Christ, here's one thing that I think we can see from this part of the story, is that Jesus will both fail and surpass your expectations. Jesus will both fail and surpass your expectations. As you're following Jesus, on this beautiful but puzzling journey. I think these are two puzzled parents some of the times here. And that really resonates with me. Because sometimes as parents, we're just figuring it out, right? And so here Mary and Joseph is. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, look at, the, look at the context that was read to us, okay? After three days, I'm in verse 46. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. They were just absolutely amazed that their boy was there 
asking questions and answering questions in the way that he was. Hey, I don't know if for, for the, the parents or grandparents in the room, maybe you have observed your child or your grandchild do something that you didn't know that they could do. I'm talking in a good sense, okay? All right, you know, uh, yeah. there's plenty of examples when you do things you didn't know that they could do and it was bad. But the, the good sense is like, how did, where did you learn that? You know, how did you do that? You know, um, yeah, it's just a beautiful feeling, right? It's just an absolute amazing. This is what's going on here. But I said he's going to both fail and surpass. How do I see this? Okay, he, in the sense that he, this is where the surpassing, I'll start with the positive, is that they, he surpassed the expectations of what he thought that he was capable of doing. They're absolutely amazed at this. They're astonished at this. And so let me just say that when you follow Jesus, there are going to be moments that he is going to absolutely astonish you because he's going to do more than you could absolutely even imagine. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, right? That he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Okay, there's going to be moments where Jesus just absolutely just surpasses your wildest dreams. That's the beauty of Advent. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to bring a message of hope. And I'm not talking about just all the things in your bucket list that he's just going to check off for you. I'm talking about you had a tremendous problem called sin and he took care of it. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that there are relationships that need to be healed, and only through the power of Jesus Christ can He heal those relationships. I'm talking about that you have weaknesses that you are struggling so hard to overcome. Those are, those are sin pra- pra- uh, uh, patterns that you are so wanting to overcome that only through the power of Jesus Christ can you conquer those things. That's what I'm talking about here, that He will surpass your expectations. This is a Jesus. This is the God of the Bible. This is the power of Christ that we celebrate at Advent season. Amen? So here we have Jesus exceedingly surpassing their expectations. But I told you that he will also fail your expectations. Where do I get that in the text? Look at this. So they're astonished. Verse 48. Let me continue out of verse 48. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Because your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Again, you got you to picture yourself in this conversation here. You, 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 they see him, they're amazed, but then it, it's like, you know, it's like one of those moments of like, I'm so glad you are safe. Now I want to kill you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm so glad you're okay. Why did you do this to me? Right? This is what Mary's going through right here. This is this beautiful but puzzling journey of being the mother, the earthly mother to the Messiah. And Joseph is right there with her. Joseph's like, I'm so glad you're okay. Why would you do this? Why? So here's where the failure comes in is that they failed, Jesus failed their expectations of what they thought he should do, okay? So he surpassed the expectations of what they thought he was capable of doing, but he failed their expectations of what, he th- what they thought he should be doing. He says, well, why are you looking for me? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's house, all right? And so I, I think there's a lesson to learn here. The lesson here is that we should never underestimate Jesus, and there are going to be moments where Jesus brings things into our life in this beautiful but puzzling journey that we're on. There are going to be moments that he brings things into our lives that it is going to fail our expectations. It is going to be things that he is doing that we don't think he should be doing. We don't think that he should be working in this way. 
We don't think he should be assembling the people that he's assembling in some ways. You know, if you think about the 12 disciples, I was just teaching, I'm teaching a, 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 a series of lectures in church history uh, to someone, a, a, a pastor in training in the Middle East, and um, I do this uh, on Wednesday mornings, and, um, and we, we talk through the different types of people. And, in 2023, by the way, and we're going to do a church history course here during Adult Discipleship Hour, so let me put the plug in for that now. And, um, but, uh, um, but the point is, is I'm going through the different types of people that there was, there was during uh, what's called Second Temple Judaism during the time of Jesus. And uh, we have a group of called like the Zealots, okay? And the Zealots, these were people that were like known assassins, okay? And uh, these were people that were very zealous that's where we get the word and they would they they were very brutal and then you had and one of the peoples that they hate the the groups of people they hated the most were the tax collectors okay particularly if someone would be uh, a a jewish tax collector they absolutely hated them so now you have jesus assembling his team you get matthew a tax collector and you get simon the zealot in there Okay, so Jesus is putting these people together here to work side by side. I would have loved to have been a fly in that wall, right? In that moment, and when they find out, wait a minute, you got a tax collector? Wait a minute, you got a zealot? I mean, how does it, Jesus does this, right? There are some times where Jesus works in ways that we think is absolutely crazy. And we think, why in the world would you do this? Why would you allow this to happen to me? Why would you allow this to happen to someone that I love? Why would you have this as a plan? It makes no sense at all. Here we have Mary and Joseph here. They're saying, it doesn't make any sense why our boy should be gone for three days away from us, from the protection that we have. We're supposed to be caring for this child. Why is this? And he says, well, this is what I'm supposed to be doing here. It was amazing to them. He failed to meet the expectations of what he thought he should be doing. How many times does Jesus do that to you? How many times does he move outside the box that you have made for him? And how do you respond when that happens? You see, it's a beautiful but puzzling journey following Jesus Christ. But let me just tell you, let's emphasize the beautiful part. Here we have Jesus doing the will of the Father absolutely perfectly and it is always for our good. I can't tell you all the reasons why things are happening in your life. I can't. I've never pretended to have all those answers. But what I can promise you is that Jesus is good. And he is perfectly doing the Father's plan. And it is amazing. And it will surpass the expectations of what you think are possible. But don't let the failure of what you think he should be doing, don't let that cloud your judgment. And cloud, let me say this, don't let it cloud your worship of Jesus. He's good. He's so good. So Jesus will both, in this, in this beautiful and puzzling journey, he will both fail and surpass your expectations. And just remember this, Jesus never has to check his plans with you first. If he didn't with Mary when he was 12 years old, he doesn't have to do it with you. Okay? It's like Mary. You know, don't you think that would be a nice heads up, by the way? By the way, Mom, I'm going to just be hanging out in the temple for a few days. Is that cool? You know, if that's cool, I just, you know, all the guys are going. It's going to be, you know, all the cool kids are doing it. You know, you know, yeah. Mary, that would have been a heads up, but he didn't have to do that. He doesn't have to check his plans with you either. 
We worship him and we follow him. All right. So we've talked about how that, uh, we first of all, that Jesus' salvation will amaze us. We've talked about how he will both fail and surpass our expectations as we have this beautiful but uh, puzzling journey. Number three, and I see this in verse 50 here, is that, you know, uh, Jesus' plans will sometimes confuse you. I'm building off of this last point that we talked about here. It says this, I, I love this. He says in verse 49, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I, ha- I must be about my father's house? I love the simplicity of Luke's message in verse 50. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. They didn't understand it. And I don't blame them, okay? I, I'm, not, I'm not casting judgment on Mary and Joseph in this moment here. But they didn't understand. Don't you see that as we look at this Christmas story, we look at this Advent, we look at this light, early life of Jesus Christ, don't you see how there's these twists and turns, there's high emotions, low emotions. It's beautiful, it's confusing at times. Let me tell you, that's what the Christian life is like. I'm just going to tell you, that's what it's like. It, it, you know, sometimes the people want to say, that, okay, if I just follow Jesus Christ, everything's going to be great. Nope. It's, that's not it. That, the Bible never teaches it. Now, the Bible does teach that we have hope. The Bible does teach that we can actually have joy in those moments because we know that he's got a greater plan, that we know he can surpass our expectations. We know that he's more capable of doing that we even our wildest dreams, and so we have hope in that. But as we go, off, go through this life, it's confusing at times. And even when we see the response, sometimes it's like, I, I, I don't understand that. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. I understand, and I believe one of the reasons why Luke put this verse in here was because he's contrasting. He's contrasting Mary and Joseph's confusion with Jesus' clarity. Jesus knew exactly what he needed to do. He knew he needed to be about his father's business. They were confused by this. He was absolutely clear. And here we see Luke just kind of putting this into uh, this, this, this comparison, this juxtaposition here, so that then we can just see them uh, side by side here. Jesus is absolutely clear. Mary and Joseph are confused. Can't you see the application? Can't you see that there are moments where we're in a fog There are moments where we don't know what's going on. Can I just tell you, in those moments, Jesus sees clearly. He knows exactly what needs to be happening, and he is sovereign. Can I just say that? That he is so, he is crystal clear and focused on what should be happening. That when we are in those moments of of confusion, when we're in those moments of uncertainty, we lean on his sight, not our own. You see, this is what Mary and Joseph are going through, this just beautiful and puzzling journey here. Jesus sees clearly, he knows the best path, and he knows in those seasons of fog, he knows what is best for us. So, this beautiful, this puzzling journey, salvation amazes us. He will both fail and surpass our expectations. His plans will sometimes confuse you. But then let's end with our fourth and final point here is that Jesus' love and kindness will be greater than you deserve. They don't understand. He's in the temple. He's talking there. She doesn't understand these things. Mary and Joseph don't understand these things. But look at verse 51. And he went down with him, came to Nazareth, and was submissive to them. And here we have the bookend. 
And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Now, the question comes, well, why, why isn't Joseph mentioned here? Why doesn't he treasure these things up in his heart and everything? Uh, the, most scholars understand that Joseph probably died at a, at a young age when Jesus was an early teen. And so this is the reason why we don't see him after this. He's not on the scene at all. So most likely Joseph died and Mary is a single mom. Most likely Jesus had to grow up without a dad, okay, uh, in the home, uh, earthly father. And so this is the reason why it's Mary treasuring these things up in her heart. We're piecing that together. I can't prove it. But it makes the most sense of all the data that we have, at least in my opinion. But what I want to focus in on here in, in the last couple minutes is that, you know, Jesus, he was abundantly kind to his parents. It says that he was submissive to them. Now, Children are famous for thinking that they know more than their parents. And we all chuckle because we know that that is true. We know that that's absurd. Um, but we also remember thinking the same thing when we were kids, right? If anyone had a right to press against his parents, it would have been Jesus. I mean, think about this. <laughs> Jesus was submissive to the parents that he created. Okay, think about this. Jesus created. He was active in creation. We see this. We see this all sorts of scriptures. That he created all things. All things are for him. We see this. And so he's submitting to the parents that he created. That's mind-blowing. And yet he's abundantly, why does he do this? Because he's kind and he, he's, he's, he's loving towards his parents and he's shown his submissive, his submissive spirit to them because he needs to show that life of perfect obedience, right? He needs to do this. And, and this is just a beautiful part of this, this, uh, the, the Messiah's family tree here of how that Jesus, uh, of all the people who had a, would have had a right to put press against his parents and to show that he actually knew at times more than his parents parents did he was submissive to them now the thing is is that in 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 our in our relationships in our families there are going to be times where our children are right and we are wrong as parents and so kids teenagers here let me just encourage you that that's going to happen sometimes where you're going to have an opinion or you're going to have something that you're actually going to be in the right and your parents are going to be in the wrong end so what do you do in that moment you say i told you so that's right you know, you keep, you keep a scorecard or something like that. No, you don't do that. You do what Jesus did. You be submissive to your parents. That doesn't mean if they're telling you to do something sinful or wrong, okay? Of course, you know, I'm not going to that extreme here, but I'm just saying that, that you know, what is our disposition to? It's not about the integrity of our parents. It's about the responsibility that God has given to us and placed upon us. And so, kids, let me just encourage you. Teens, let me just encourage you that you have the perfect example in Jesus Christ to follow here. And parents, let me encourage you to understand this, too, is that there are going to be times that our kids, that you know, we're wrong, and we've got to say we're sorry. We've got to understand that we need to model to them what it means to be submissive to authority. You see, Jesus here, he was just abundantly kind to Mary. You know, this is going to continue on all the way through the cross. Remember on the cross that it was... Um, 
Jesus saying to one of the disciples, take care of her. And you know, he, he was looking out for his mom, even hanging on the cross. He loved his mom. He was kind. So as we look at this, this journey that, that we've talked about for the last few minutes here, this beautiful but puzzling journey, and we have it kind of in this bookend of Mary treasuring these things, pondering these things in her heart. She's trying to figure them out. She's, trying to, she's storing them up so she can recall them later on, so she can learn from them later on. She can bring that back to her memory. This is what it means to treasure up and ponder in her heart. In fact, the word heart there probably in our vernacular would be better. We would understand it more uh, as like our mind, okay? Is it, that, that she's thinking about these things. She's mulling them over. It's something that she's taking notes on and she's, she's de- deliberating about. Why is she doing this? Because she knows who Jesus is. And it's a beautiful journey to follow him and love him. I mean, in, in her famous song that Luke recorded for us, uh, we didn't read it earlier, but she calls Jesus my Savior. Okay? This is why she was so much, so in, in, incredibly uh, uh, focused on knowing Jesus Christ because she loved him as a mother, but she also loved him as her Savior. But it was puzzling at times. It was confusing at times. He did things that she didn't expect. And, and, and he, he did things that she didn't, she thought that he should be doing something different. And, but what is she doing this entire time? She's treasuring these things up. She's pondering them in her heart. And she's receiving this great love and kindness from Jesus. Now the thing I need to point out as I close is that this bookend that I just read in verse 51, I need to remind you that that was 12 years after the first bookend. 12 years. 12 years of her pondering. 12 years of her thinking things through. 12 years of her treasuring things up in her heart. Following Jesus is a journey. It takes a long time. There's growth, there's ups and downs. But here's what I want you to see is that in the first part of this, we have Mary treasuring what she heard about Jesus. Now she's treasuring what she sees in Jesus. I want us to grow in that way. I want to tell you beautiful, beautiful things about Jesus Christ and how great he is. I want you to hear those things. And I want you to go home. I want you to think about them and treasure them and ponder them in your heart. I want you to read the scriptures and things like that. But here's more so what I want you to do is I want you to see Jesus active in your life. I want you to treasure and ponder those things as well. I want you to look at your lives and see how Jesus has been active in your life. I want you to see how Jesus has been changing the lives of other people here. And if you're not seeing that, you need to go to the Lord. You need to be praying and asking God, show this to me. Show me how you're, how you're at work here. I love the growth of Mary is that she's treasuring what she heard about Jesus. Now she's treasuring what she sees in Jesus. Mary, we see her faith growing as she's pondering and treasuring Jesus. In John chapter 2, we see the, the wedding, you know, when Jesus turns the water into the wine, Mary had an active role in that, saying, hey, you do whatever he says to do. And then we see in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus has died and he's resurrected and he's ascended into heaven, we see that there's a, there's a prayer meeting that's happening there. And who is listed there? Who does Luke record? that is there in that prayer meeting with all the apostles is Mary. Mary. So she's treasuring these things, pondering them in her heart, following this beautiful but puzzling journey and following Jesus Christ. And so, you know, I wonder, have you ever been on a path and you're walking on this journey, we're going to continue with this metaphor here, he's walking on a journey, and then you kind of look around and say, well, am I still on the path? 
you know, you're kind of looking around, maybe you're taking a hike in the woods or something like this, and, and the path gets a little less defined, and, and you start looking around, and you're like, is, is this the path, or did I wander off the path a little bit here? And then you look up, and you can kind of see like a little marker sign. Okay, good, I'm on the right path. You know, that's, we get like that. We get like that in, the, in our spiritual journey. Sometimes like, hey, am I on the right path, whatever? You know what a marker is for us? Right here. The Lord's table. This is a marker for us that every week we can just remember, okay, yep, okay, we're on the right path. We're following Jesus Christ. Okay, this is what he did for us. He died on the cross. And so this is the reason why we celebrate this every week. One of the reasons is that we have this opportunity then to have this constant reminder of, okay, this, follow, this, this, this beautiful but puzzling journey in following Jesus Christ here that Mary and Joseph, they, they gave us some good insight into here. This is, it's going to be confusing at times, but then every week, we can come to this table here and we can take some bread and we can take some juice and we can just remember that, okay, we're following what Jesus told us to do. He told us to do this in remembrance of him so that, that we, can, we can stay focused.